Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Martial arts. How do we like our martial arts? We like a mix. Yeah, we like a mix, everybody. And I think it's fair to say that the hangover from UFC 290, it's as real as it gets, isn't it? What an event that was. The fights ruled. We had incredible storylines. Packed house. Crowd was into it. And how do we follow this up? We go back to the UFC Apex, and we have a main event with some stakes. It may not be the main event most people are hankering for, but considering the state of the women's bantamweight division right now, there's a lot on the line for Holly Holm and Myra Bueno Silva as they prepare to meet in a potential five-round matchup in the main event of UFC Vegas 77. And we're here to talk about it. Thank you for joining us for the live UFC Vegas 77 preview show. I am Mike Heck. You heard the producer extraordinaire pump you up as best as he could for this card. And joining (laughs) me to discuss and break down the couple of storylines on this card, my fellow (laughs) bald brethren, (laughs) the wise wordsmith, Mr. Shaheen Alshadi. Shaheen, welcome. How excited are you to discuss this card? Oh, excitement levels 10 out of 10. I like that you caught yourself there of the couple of storylines that's sort of where we're at with this but i'm always happy to be here i love y'all out there in youtube land mma fighting faithful so let's have a fun one yeah and look we've talked about this ad nauseum since saturday that you know some people look in at these preview shows for these fight night cards are like oh those mma fighting guys are so damn negative and then we come out of ufc 290 and we see what the ufc can give us even if it's not the most star-studded card Everything delivered. The Robbie Lawler retirement was chef's kiss. Everything about it was as good as it could possibly be. And then we follow it up with this card. And yes, there are stakes in the main event, but the rest of this card, like there's, it's either like sneaky good fights or just fights with zero on the line. And it's not negative. It's just, we know what the UFC can put forth. And yes, we're not going to get UFC 290 every single week, but I think it's fair for fans and members of the media to demand something better than what we're getting tomorrow, Shaheen. That's all it is. We know what it's like. If I got C's on a report card, my parents are going to be like, well, good try. They're going to be like, dude, you could get A's and B's if you apply yourself. That's what this is. I don't know. I see. I see both sides because I understand what you're saying, Mike. Well, also, first of all, we're burying the lead here. Uh, I'm just very happy that you're back with us, Mike, that your voice is still intact. The golden pipes of Mike Heck is back. We weren't sure we were even going to be able to do a preview show. So I'm glad that you're feeling well, that your family's doing well, and that you're you're past uh, what DDP did to your voice on Saturday night. That man is just a wrecking ball right now. He's coming for all of us. It's just the reality of the situation. (laughs) Uh, But no, man, I mean... This is the reality of the situation when 
the UFC has mandated fight nights that they need to run every week, right? Like there's a certain, there's an X number of events they need to hit every week with their deal with ESPN. And when you have a card like last week's where UFC 290, one of the best cards we've had in a long time, like this is the reality. You can't stack every card. There's only so many names. There's only so many compelling figures. Last week was awesome. Last week was full of interesting names, big storylines, nice matchups. That's the, the, the fallout from that is unfortunately that you get a card like this weekend where all of the all of the names have already been used. The, the coffers are a little empty, so that we're getting what we're getting. I mean, realistically, it's not the fighters' fault. Uh, it, you know, you, you don't want to trash on the fighters for for a card like this, but that's just the situation when you when you again you have a card as magical as two ninety. Like the, the highs and lows within the sport, we see it week to week, and I think this is one of the bigger um, examples, if you will, of going from an extraordinary high to maybe something that's a, a C minus type of offering. Yep, and then we're back in a crowd next week for London, and then it's 291, and then I think and we're just kind go. of off to the races at this point. Yeah. So we just got to get through this one, and we will, and we will, and there'll be some good things to talk about. Let's talk about the main event, Shaheen. We have Holly Holm taking on Myra Bueno Silva, and as everybody is well aware of, after UFC 289 ended, Amanda Nunes, the longtime champion, she had a t- at least one belt around her waist for a long time, Recently re-won the title back against Juliana Painted, defended it in just an incredible performance against Irene Aldana, and then she retired. And ever since then, it's been, who's going to fight for the vacant title? It's Juliana Pena, there's Raquel Pennington, who's on a good run. But Holly Holm is somebody that the UFC is very quick on the trigger to give title shots to, and she is in a pretty darn good position to get one if she wins this fight. So Meyer Bueno Silva, since moving up to 135, since that loss to Manon Fioro, she has looked real good. Decision win against uh, Yanan Wu, armbar submission against St- Stephanie Egger, and then we get the rare knee bar against Lena Landsberg in February. Now she's set up in this position for a, for a big opportunity here. What is at stake for both of these women, and is it the same for both Holly Holm and Meyer Bueno Silva, in your opinion? I think to me, like this card, there's actually a lot at stake, and it's almost perfectly illustrative of just I think two things within our current MMA ecosystem, right? Because there's it's very I mean, there's a very real world where there's two number one contender fights on this card, right? Like, like that doesn't feel crazy to say that that's sort of what's at stake uh, up and down it. But yet, this is emblematic for two reasons. One, for the strange times we're living in right now where ostensibly 12 UFC divisions exist and 25% of those divisions have no champion, no vacant title bout booked, and we don't even want, know if one actually will continue to exist, right? The women's featherweight card or featherweight division. And then two, this sort of represents to me, at least in the moment, the, the nadir that this women's bantamweight division has reached in Amanda Noon's absence, right? Because the number one contender, is, Juliana Pena, is a woman who doesn't own a single UFC win over a fighter currently under UFC employment, like currently on the roster right now. That's sort of the number one, the, the, our penciled in number one, our number one for the website was Juliana Pena. No wins over anybody just currently on the UFC roster. Next closest contender is probably Raquel Pennington, who's, you know, she's been around a long time. She's won a lot of fights. She has three finishes and 16 UFC opportunities that she got obliterated in her only title bout opportunity. So that's sort of what we're dealing with. And then the next closest is who we have on Saturday is 41-year-old Holly Holm, who has been doing the damn thing for a long time, but of course the dogs. Rema, come on. Right now? Really? Uh, it's always it's always just perfect timing. She's been doing the damn thing a long time, but 41 years old. She hasn't been in a fun fight in probably like four years, right? And yet she legitimately has her chance here to win back the title in this late in her career simply because there's just really no one else. Like, this is the division right now. Where where are the Aaron Blanchfields? Where are the Ilya Taporias? Where are even the Tatiana Suarez's? Like, where are the up-and-comers who are going to come and be this next generation? Uh, three of the women at 135 right now who are ranked in the UFC rankings aren't even bantamweights, Mike. There are three featherweights ranked in the UFC bantamweight rankings because that's just what we're dealing with right now. And so you come to this matchup. I mean, Myra Buena Silva is maybe the best version this division have of those those examples I was given, the, the Air Blanchfields, the Ilya Taporius, because she's been in the UFC for five years now, eight fights, but th- it's only this run now, this last three fights where she became, or she w- went back up to Bantamweight, where she has sort of emerged uh, as maybe the best version as her, of herself. So the stakes here are huge. I mean, I think the winner of this fight obviously will fight for, if not the Vanga title fight, I mean, who knows if that's going to be Pena Pennington, 
at least they'll be the next person up. But I mean, the winner of this fight will be in a very good spot to potentially get a shot at the belt. And that's meaningful in, in a in a you know landscape where a lot of these apex cards don't feel like they have stakes nearly to that degree. Let me ask you this. After Nunes retired, and we knew this fight was happening, should the UFC have just put the belt on the line in this fight? Because it's not like this division has a ton of buzz right now. Like, I know Payne and Pennington are there, and would they have been upset about it? Sure, but then you just book them, and then it's like a little mini tournament here, right? Should they have just put the belt on the line in this? Like, that would have been a nice little addition to this, right? This, this would have had a little more buzz if we just put the vacant belt on the line. It's right there, and the timing's perfect for it. Absolutely. Right. Like what I mean, I understand maybe you just want to wait for Juliana Pena because she does feel like the flag bearer right now. This is sort of what we've we've been left with in this post noons world. So maybe that's just the case. You just got to wait for Juliana and anything involving the belt has to involve her because she was the woman who beat the woman. But I mean, this would certainly feel a lot more important if a title was on the line. Right. It certainly would make some sense, at least some sort sort of sense in this division that feels relatively rudderless right now because it has been now uh several cards since the the amanda noon has retired and yet we still have no real clarity we have no real direction and that's maybe impacting this fight as well like obviously it's not you you throw this matchup together on any card i don't know that a lot of fans are going to be looking at it like i can't wait for that one but this does feel diminished to a degree because again we just don't maybe understand what this all means because we don't understand where this division is right now so I mean, I wouldn't have been opposed if they'd thrown a title on this. It would have made a lot of sense in my mind. Again, I understand waiting for Juliana Pena, but the show has to go on at a certain point, right? So do you feel like regardless, I don't know. I, I would say if Holly, if Holly Holm wins, is Raquel Pennington the odd woman out here? Is she just out of the title? Not the picture, but is she out of a potential vacant title fight? They'll just go right to Pena versus Holm? I think so. I mean, I think there's a very real case for that, especially if this is a fight that, is fun, right? If this is a fun, entertaining fight with potentially a finish, 100%, I think Holly Holm gets shoehorned right into that. Even if it's just a Holly Holm fight, in, of, of the likes of which we've seen a lot of over the last few years, which maybe are not fights you would go back and rewatch and not fights you would tell your grandkids about, I think it's a very good chance she gets shoehorned in there because she is sort of the biggest name left among this class, right? Like the, the old guard is more or less gone at 135. Holly Holmes kind of the last one left, and, and you can throw you know Pennington Pena in there, but she they were never sort of among the the Misha Tates and the Rondas and sort of that initial class that came up. So I mean I think there's a very good chance Holly Holm gets it, and also I think there, there's a chance Myra Buena Silva if she goes out there and does do Holly Holmes something spectacular, something memorable, something that I think her I mean not even I think right like her big problem right now is she has been in the UFC. For half a decade, she's fought a lot of fights. But if you went up to the random MMA fan just within the stands and asked them, what's your favorite Myra Buena Silva moment, what percentage chance do you think they could even give you anything, right? Like like she has fought, we were talking about this off air before the show started, she's fought pretty much her entire career for the most part on these Apex cards, on sort of just these random things that we just get every Saturday. It, it's so difficult to emerge as a face from the crowd when you're sort of getting that in that uh, Rolodex, like that routine of just in one in one week, out one week, in one week, out one week with no storytelling and no promotional backing behind you. So, I mean, if, if she goes out there and makes a name for herself against Holly Holm, I think she could be in that opportunity as well. It's really, the door's open for anybody at 135 right now in the women's class to just sort of announce themselves as the next person up. And I think that's up there for both women. It is, I guess, nice to see Holly Holm more active because a lot of times it's like maybe we get one fight a year maybe two and we're getting two like real quick she just fought in march and then four months later she's back in there so she can go up there and have a good performance and and just remain intact and not get injured and turn right back around yeah she could be like a good little addition here but that's been her biggest issue is just just getting her in there because it's you know 2020 she had two fights and then she didn't fight at all in 2021 gets the caitlin Vieira fight loses that that was the only fight we saw in 2022. Now she's off to a good start here. I feel like she could be a player, but it's just a matter of her staying healthy and just staying active. Like if we get three fights out of Holly Holm in 2023 at 41 years of age, they got something here. But that that's just the biggest problem is getting her active. She looked good against Giannis Santos. That was a good, solid outing from her. But again, that's one of the big issues that's hampered her over the years is... Oh, how can we give her a title shot when she only fights once a year? It's it's been tough 
kind of a tough stretch for her. Not only that, I mean, it's it's the activity, but also it's the age coalescing with that now too, right? Because like what, when you get older, it's a lot harder to be able to do these quick turnarounds in these training camps over and over again and just beat that body up over and over again in the way that you would need to to stay as active as you know, I think the UFC would like her to be. So that's it. I mean, 31 years old or 41 years old, like at this point, it's a marvel that Holly Holm is still doing this at the level that she's at, especially considering what she had done before she even came to MMA, right? Like this is not someone who just sort of came to MMA late and maybe has, uh, you know, the fight years haven't caught up to him. Like she had a, a Hall of Fame boxing career before she even came to MMA. And then she's had a, a basically a Hall of Fame MMA career on top of that. So for her to still be doing this at 41, that to me, that's obviously the danger, right? Like we have seen this time and time again. It can fall off a cliff at any moment's notice. This, this is just the, the cruelty of the fight game. You could look pretty okay one time out and then the next time all of a sudden it's gone forever and you're never getting it back. So at some point that's going to happen for Holly Holm. Hasn't happened yet. Maybe this is the fight. Maybe the next one's the fight. Maybe the one after that's the fight. But at some point coming here soon, we're going to get that fall off a cliff moment. The fact that she has a title window sort of in her grasp before that happens is is pretty remarkable. And I think something to be applauded. Yeah, and she is favored to go over tomorrow. Minus 175, come back on Myra Bueno Silva, plus 150. Does the former champ get it done and find her way into a title fight? Or does Myra Bueno Silva play spoiler tomorrow, Shaheen? I don't know. I, mean, I, I I side with Holly just strictly for the fact that she's been here and she's done this against the best in the world, right? I, I think that moment is coming sooner rather than later, the falling off a cliff moment we keep talking about. I think we're going to see it with it. If not this fight, probably the next fight, because again, that's just a lot of wear and tear on a body that's been doing this for a long time. I just am not certain that Myra Bueno Silva is at the level uh, to be able to deal with something like a Holly Holm, right? Like she's been doing well since she moved back to bantamweight. Three straight wins, two submissions. You can't argue against that. But when you look at the names of the people that she's beating, it's just a significant couple tiers below what Holly Holm, who Holly Holm is. So this is a massive jump up for her. This is a big opportunity for her, especially considering the circumstances. But ultimately, I see Holly doing it in a very Holly Holm-esque way, uh, a decision that maybe not uh, lights the world on fire, but gets it done. I was listening to No Bets Bard this morning when I was getting my first Dunkin' Ice coffee that I've had all week. I was so excited. And Jed made a really good point that the last fight Myra Bueno Silva had at 125 was against Manon Fioro. And a lot of the skills that Manon has sort of aligns with what Holly brings to the table. Like I know Manon is a great kickboxer. Holly's more of a, you know, more of a boxer type. But what Holly's been doing lately with the grappling, the takedowns, clinching up against the fence, using her physicality to her advantage more so than keeping things out of space, I could see this fight being very similar to the to the Man and Fioro fight. Uh, so I agree with Jed on a lot of what he said in the breakdown of No Bets Bart. If you haven't listened, go check that out. So I am picking Holly Holm to win. I think there's going to be a lot of work against the fence. I think Holly's going to be able to get takedowns, use that top control. I don't know if she gets her out of there. But I think this will be a, yeah, the way you put it, a very Holly Holm-esque decision win. And then who knows? Let's see what she says after the fact. Will she call for the title shot? Will she go the route with eh, whatever the UFC wants to give me? But I think she will call for the title fight. And there's a very good chance she gets it. So kind of feel for Raquel Pennington right now. Uh, but a lot in her life is going very well. So if she has to wait another fight to, to get a title shot, Boy, I hope Juliana Pena wins that fight because I don't know if I could see Raquel Pennington, Holly Holm for a third time, Shaheen. Could be a tough one. Could be a tough electric, one. Electric. Electric <laughs> business going on here at Women's 135. You got to love it, Mike. <laughs> the Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it.
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, you mentioned electric and there is a guy at 170 pounds who is super electric and has been kind of been cursed over the last couple of weeks. Jack Della Maddalena. Turning around, he was supposed to fight Sean Brady last week. Sean Brady had to be hospitalized, nasty arm infection. And then we get Josiah Harrell, who's a really exciting up-and-coming prospect. We talked about him on the preview show last week. And then maybe an hour after we wrapped the preview show, we found out that Josiah Harrell was out of the fight because his MRI, his medicals revealed that he had a very rare brain disease. And I'm going to talk to Josiah about this a little bit more in depth on Monday, but just tough for Josiah, tough for Jack Della Maddalena. He wanted to get back in. He's already in Vegas, so he's like, put me on this card. Gets an opponent, gets a promotional newcomer, CFFC guy named Basile Hafez. And it looks like when I saw Basile get up on the scale, I was like, uh-oh, JDM might be out another fight. But Basile only missed weight by a half a pound, took about 25 minutes to a half an hour, made 171. This fight's going to happen, Shaheen. This was brilliant on the UFC just to get him out there because he's getting over and sometimes the opponent doesn't matter. Let's just trot this guy out there. If he goes out there and just melts him, great. But at least he's on our radars and people get to watch him fight, right? Brilliant by the UFC and also brilliant by JDM, right? Like Jackie Three Names kind of played this the best possible way he could. He he had two different fights fall out from him at the last possible second and said, instead of, uh, of going back home, just dejected and, and sort of, again, out of a bunch of money and it just it wasn't going to work out for him. He was like, nah, man, I'm going to stay here. I already made this trip, this extremely long trip uh, from Australia over to here. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to hope for something to come together for whatever of these next events come up. It worked out for him, man. Like we're gonna get a chance to see Jack Della Maddalena, and any chance in my mind to get to see JDM it is worth taking because this dude is electric. He, he's the future of this division. I can't wait uh, to see sort of the rise that he gets on once he starts getting these bigger names. The Sean Brady fight would have been so good. I really wish we could have gotten that, or or any of the replacement options that sort of got thrown out. But it is what it is. Ultimately, I'm not gonna be mad if you get if you give me a chance to see some JDM violence on Saturday. So if that's what this is. That's what this is. Obviously, we all kind of understand the setup. This is this is Basil or Basil? You say Basil? Hayfitz? It's B A. There's two S's. So Basile, maybe? I don't Basile. know. Basile. Basile sounds better. I hope it's Basile because that's a, that's a cool name. Like I've never heard that before. Uh, but ultimately, this is his chance to get in the UFC, right? Like we've seen this time and time again. Guy takes short notice fight against someone who who he's probably going to lose to, and then. That's his ticket. He's in the UFC at that point. We kind of understand the setup for this. It's probably going to be some sport, sort of spectacular highlight, but maybe we'll get a little surprised. Probably not. But either way, I'm here always and every single time for some JDM violence. Yes, I'm, I'm literally watching a video right now. Uh, manager extraordinaire Alex Davis. Norma Dumont, Chelsea. Ch- Ooh, look at this. Norma Dumont, oh, did it, Chelsea did it come Chandler, out? getting after it. Yes. All right. Ooh, getting separated. Ooh, this, look yeah. at this. Chelsea Chandler with the 209 stare. Wow. All right. A little heat on. Let's just throw the featherweight title on this fight. Let's let's raise the stakes, Shaheen. Let's just crown two champions tomorrow night. Why right. not, man? We can answer it. Does this featherweight division exist or not? Because we've been know. told Does it probably it? doesn't. And then we have a fight literally tomorrow in this division. Are you just are we just like letting these people fight out their contracts and then it's gone forever? 
They deleted the, the featherweight rankings from their website, but they were never really there anyway. All they did was delete Amanda Nunes, and that's it. So I don't even know, man. Like, why not throw a title on this? Who cares, right? Like, let's have some fun. Also, I'm watching this video now. Like, yeah, this is this is great. This is great stuff. Come on. Why can't we Alex have some David. more fun? Well done, Alex. Thank you for getting that out into our into because there are reports that there Matt Frivola had tweeted out that there are some some craziness going on backstage and someone who reported that it was them too, but we never really got to see it. But you see Norma, she's like, all right, she's talking, she's talking. And then she says something else. And then you see Norma's eyes just get real bug eyed and she goes right after good stuff. I mean, this it, things are getting personal at the, at the UFC apex. See, also, we find double the birds the being thrown here. Like this is tremendous. Look this at is that. What this, this is what the women's 145 pound division needs. Michael. Heck. <laughs> And look, if Holly Holm, you know, just wants to fight for a belt, we could throw her in the featherweight title fight against the winner of that fight. I mean, there's so many options we can go. We could go so many different ways, Shaheen, with these titles. Mm. And yet we're going no ways. So, you know, (laughs) we're getting no ways. We have Otman Azaitar fighting Francisco Prado. That is going to be a fun one. So make sure you you check that one out. Albert Duraev, Jun Young Park. This could be. Shaheen for the middleweighty middleweight title. Albert Jiraev is a Ooh, is hold on. one of the top three contenders. Is, you, you can't just gloss over something that important. Is is that official? Are you are you putting that on the line, or is that like a number one contender fight? Maybe like you're you're the king of this domain. I need you to make the call. I think I think like AK is probably the king, and I'm just the the guy who just makes things up as we go along, and that's kind of what this has become because you're Brendan the Allen, Allen, you're the Sean Shelby, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Brennan Allen has just done so good. He's just fought himself like out of that title, but he's been so good since winning it. So I almost feel bad taking it away from him. But man, Darius, he turned Sheedy and Jokowani into a middleweighty middleweight. So that you got to be something special if you're doing that. Uh, we got Dumont Chandler with a little bit of heat on it. Terrence McKinney is back against Nazim Sadikov. That's going to be fun. What other sort? Tyson Nam's back against uh, newcomer Azat Maxim, who is 16 and 0. So if you're a flyweight under fan, I think you're going to get a little something, something here. We got a couple of returning fighters. Alexander Munoz is back for the first time in a long time. And Ashley Evans-Smith is back for the first time in a long time. She opens up the prelims curtain jerker against Eileen Perez. Let's bring in Casey. Maybe we got a couple of questions from the peeps. We'll take a couple because we're not going to spend an hour in this car. We just can't do it. We can't. Hi, Hi, guys. I look like a giant right now. Oh, yeah. What's going on? Look at me. I mean, right now you're you're an Adonis out there, yeah. Mike. Used to you. The shoulders it, just go off the screen; they just keep going. I know. I'm gonna try to go to the gym this evening for the first time in like a week. I'm losing my mind, people. <laughs> losing my mind. All all the muscle I lost since fatherhood, but not being able to get to the gym, you have just absorbed like a symbiote. Like it's just <laughs> tremendous. That's how it works. It all happens. Right, It starts to make it start. It start with some more negativity. Oh yay! Whoa. Oh my god! I forgot about that. Uh-huh. Yes, 10 p.m. main card, six Ooh, fights. Brutal. But I will say that I will say this: devil's advocate. We get an early start time next week because they're in London. I believe it's a noon, very early, a yeah. noon Eastern. So yeah, I think well, it is what it is. But we get a good one next week, and they did the same thing last time. The Sean Strickland card was at 10 p.m. Oh no, was it? No, it wasn't early. No, it was whatever three hours fight before. night. Yeah, whatever fight night was before the Jacksonville card was a 10 p.m. start, and then we got Jacksonville at like 11 a.m. the next Saturday. So we just got to deal with it. Once in a while, we're gonna get these crappy start times. Best coast, West Coast, man. Answer the question: Why? Why do they keep? Why do they change the time? Because they all the because time? they want to test you to your limits. They gave they, you brilliance last cruel. week, and now they're seeing how <laughs> far so you're cruel. willing to go to support this. <laughs> Yes, I think you, what, what Jaheen it's said. It's an abusive relationship, Casey. It is. It is. <laughs> I don't like it. I'll, sh- I'll show them for having a good time last week. <laughs> what All else right. we got? Uh, this is a very interesting question from Mr. Boza. I like this question a lot. Oh, shit. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why. Uh, wait, hold on. It, it is a giant question. Has the women's bantamweight division suffered from the domination of Amanda Nunes? Dominant champions have hurt the UFC, in my opinion. We had Mighty Mouse and now Amanda. I will say this, Shaheen. I'll let you answer this in a moment. But if this women's bantamweight division, 
even comes near what the flyweight division has become since Demetrius Johnson has left, then we are in for something great. I miss Demetrius Johnson a lot. And he had a dominant run. And then we got Cejudo. And then we get what we got, what, what we've been getting. And we got fights like Brandon Moreno, Alexander Pantoja, like we saw last Saturday. So can do you feel like this division has just suffered because Nunes just kind of worked everybody? Even when Pena beat her, she got the immediate rematch. Or is this just, there's just not enough fighters in this weight class right now. No, it's the latter, right? Because like you could say, that could, could you really say that flyweight suffered because Valentina Shevchenko was dominant for so long? Because yes. flyweight right now is tremendous, dude. Like fly, flyweight's super fun. I, I wouldn't say that that's division flyweight suffered was women's flyweight was considered a trash division for for a long time. It was just like, well, it's Valentina, Valentina. When but Valentina, it was considered a trash. The, the dominant, the dominant champion losing though, right? is always great for the division. Dominance well, is I, boring. Dominance is I, boring. I would I would go both ways. I think it depends on the the type of dominance. Anderson Silva dominating in the way that he dominated was not boring for anybody. Like it that was, was extremely boring. I, I think that's revisionist. No that's way. Are Travis Luter, the Maya era. Like remember, like people hated the middleweight division. People hated Anderson Silva. Afterwards, it comes in waves, though. It comes in waves. Though, it does right? come in like, waves. I agree. Because like, there were but, parts of the like the Silva son and stuff. Like there were parts of that that were extraordinarily fun just like the easy dominance because fights got competitive that's why because the fights became competitive even though he was still winning i don't know i'm just i I think we're kind of both saying the same thing but you know i would say in regards to the flyway stuff like that division was rough in its inception because the talent had matured to the point of like really being so they mattered right like we didn't have the aaron blanchfields and sort of the men and just all the people coming up now now that division's super fun i i think bantamweight just sort of suffers the same problem that featherweight does where like there's just not a lot of like talent right there out there in the world right now who who's doing the sport who's sort of that size at least like right like tell me i'm wrong i, I would love to yeah. be wrong it just like when we do our our top 15 for mma fighting on the rankings panel like we often struggle to find 15 fighters, period, who fight in this division just right now. Like, that's sort of the reality. Also, because there aren't any other promotions in the industry that have this division other than the UFC. So, like, if where where is the talent coming from? Like, Bellator is not a pipeline for this. BFL, like, all these places don't have this division. It's just the UFC. Yeah. Um, I kind of always go back to... <clears throat> follow the money in a sense that there's just it's uh, uh, there's just no money coming up and even outside competition wise for the organizations to be a 135er um like basically all these kind of i would say these college female athletes there's no reason for them to kind of try out mma because they're not going to make a living um and that's a big issue uh, i mean i know it's 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 a little couple steps away kind of from what we have right now but there's just not like these flyweight these are these bantamweights just i think maybe holly home maybe maybe holly home and misha maybe and that's her past winnings are like the only real full-time fighters that make a a living at bantamweight and that that's that's a reality you know and it's even worse for featherweight I think that's valid, but I would also push back and say that the opposite could also be as true as well, right? Because right now there is a gaping hole of opportunity at women's 135 where if you're like sort of that size of an athlete, you could see a window very clearly of like, hey, if I start doing this within like three years, I might be UFC champion making like legitimate money because it's just not there right now. Again, like who who are the names you're excited about coming up right now at 135? Like it's... I don't know that you have anybody. They've signed so, a couple, like from from the regional scene. And I'll yeah, like also say, Dixon and whatever and whoever else you want yeah. to throw out there. But I will say one of the things that has hurt this division too is the flyweight division. Once flyweight became a thing, half of that division went down. So they went down to one twenty five. Lauren Murphy, Jessica I, and there are a few others who are probably no longer on the roster. They were like, "Ooh, there's a flyweight division. I'm too small for bantamweight. I'm just going to go down to one twenty five and." It's worked for some, others not so much. But that's, I mean, there's just so many more fighters in this division, yeah. right? There's probably 15 Bantamweights, if we're lucky. I think Julia Avila is still ranked. She hasn't fought in forever because yeah. she had a kid and she, yeah. 
I don't even know if she's going to be able to fight this year or not. At it this doesn't point. look like so it. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't look like it. Yeah. It's truly bizarre at this point, the the place we've reached, right? Because, you know, I think, Casey, when you and I were coming up, the two marquee divisions in the sport for the men's side and the women's side, it was 205 on the men's side and 135 for the women's side. And now, like, you look yeah, at the know, state it's, of it's both wild. of these divisions, it it's wild. just we've reached a very strange place for both of them. So I, it's just... You know, cycles. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's the key ultimately. Cycles, I, right? Like this is just it comes in waves. Yeah. I hope I hope this is a bad cycle for the women's bantamweight division. But back to the dominance question of the division. I mean, and also 35 women's 35 had Rhonda super dominant to Amanda super dominant. So it's not like like even when uh Anderson lost, there was that kind of Luke Rocco Weidman era. So there was kind of some wildness in the middle, you know, until you know Izzy kind of took over. But um yeah, uh, I mean, women, women, women's thirty-five had the Holly and then Misha. And that was really fun, fun, right? Like and the Holly Misha that, fight was incredibly like memorable, and like that's a really so I'm saying like the, highlight. Once, there, once there was, the dominance made it boring <laughs> when when the yeah. when the kind of was bouncing around, but then you have the problem with the two or five division where it kind of bounces around too much. So we, yeah. you know, but um, well, I also thought, things, I this, things I start getting flippant when you're just throwing random titles on stuff yeah. even though we've done that a couple times on this show too like yeah, right. yes. but i think I, I think it's a but i like this question i think it's an interesting thing yeah. to think about it's a good question all right i'll take uh, one more and then we'll get out more. of here um i mean let's talk about let's talk about 205 right like uh, yeah, we can talk about through. that i'm seeing a billion questions about that <laughs> I, 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 right. I was trying to stick everything to today's card tonight's card or tomorrow's card sorry that's true. I hope there's some bantamweight women's bantamweights that are on this yeah. card. And for, like, look, I if Tough never had another season after this one, I'd be totally fine with it. But if they're gonna do it, like, let's do a women's bantamweight one for the love they of God. They tried. They tried to do a women's featherweight one, and they all immediately <laughs> dropped down to bantamweight. Yeah, well, no, don't do that. Don't do what, that. Well, do one thirty-five. That's the problem. It's just not tough, the talent the pool. Cutting. Yeah, there's just not the talent pool for it. Like, who are you going to get for that? How is it like, worldwide? They're I don't I don't understand. I don't understand how worldwide they can't get ten decent women. Well, that then we can go to like Shaheen's idea, or, or like you were talking about. We'll just find like eight tremendous athletes who want to go pro that couldn't make it in other sports. Let's teach them MMA on the ultimate fighter. And then we sign them to developmental deals and then just work them out through there. Give them some regional fights. Some will make it. Some won't. Mm. Let's have some fun here. Let's try to build this division. Anyways, maybe there's some diamonds in the rough. Maybe there's some Jasmine Jazz out there who are just absolute naturals. The first time they put a pair of gloves on and they make it to the UFC like three years later. And are ranked fighters in a really loaded up division. So I don't know. But I mean, I yeah, will, there could be some releases coming too. I will say, just speaking to what we were just talking about, it does feel as if we are about to enter in this division a a era of parody similar to what we're seeing at 205 or what we saw at 185 after Anderson, right? Like it's feel like is Juliana Pena a dominant longtime champion? I don't I don't know that I consider that, right? Like, it feels like that belt's about to be traded around three or four different times before we find somebody to finally sort of grab hold of it. Well, let's talk real quick about what happened last night. Jamal Hill announces ruptured Achilles tendon. He is out. Our own Damian Martin confirmed from a source that it was due to happen during the basketball oh, game that happened during International oh, Fight Week, which is just brutal. Um, but Jamal Hill is vacating the belt. He's taking the the lead of Yuri Prohashka, who did it back in December when his fight with Glover Teixeira was canceled due to his shoulder injury. And now we're in an interesting place, Shaheen, because Yuri Prohashka asked a simple question this morning, who is next? We got uh, Jan Blachowicz, Alex Pereira getting ready to fight at UFC 291 in a couple of weeks. A lot of people saying, well, just chuck the, chuck the title on the line in that fight. Let's get this division moving. Some people are saying just do number one contender fight, winner fight Jiri later on this year. There's guys like Ankle Live, Johnny Walker screaming for a title shot right now. What do we do, Shaheen? What's your reaction to just all of this? And then how do we crown a new champion? If you had the pencil, how would you do it? First of all, this division's kind of cursed now, right? Like, does it feel like the, the 205 division is cursed? Because it kind of feels like it at this point. Like a basketball game, man? Like, that's rough. That is rough. You you got to feel for Jamal Hill, who did nothing but take advantage of his opportunity when the opportunity came. Show the hell out in that opportunity in like a way that really defied, I think, a lot of people's expectations, myself included. 
And then he is poised for the biggest payday of his entire career. And now he's probably going to be out for like two years, a year and a half. Like Achilles stuff is no joke, man. Like Achilles stuff. Achilles stuff robs like the highest of high level athletes of their athleticism. Like you look at, you know, basketball players and people like that who have all the infinite resources in the world that that Jamal Hill's not going to have. And they still struggle to come back from stuff like this. Like that's you feel for the guy, man, because it's one of those things. It's like the Isaiah Thomas thing where he didn't he never got his payday. Like I, I hope that Jamal Hill will be able to get his payday. It seems like he's going to get a title fight regardless. So hopefully he'll be able to get something out of that. But that's just tough, man. But I mean, if it's me, I'm throwing that title on that fight in two weeks. Why not? That card's already really cool. I'm already really looking forward to that card. That fight's really nice. Like that's a that's a good fight for the light heavyweight division, and it kind of makes sense. Like Yuri was going to fight sort of they were they were targeting sort of last ha- like last quarter of 2023 for for the Yuri comeback. So like if that's the, if that's the timeline still, if that guy's not going to be able to fight pretty soon, then throw that title on it and let's just do it, man. Because Yuri's going to come back to a title fight regardless. I don't know that it's as any sort of disrespectful to have him come back to a title fight when there's already a champion regardless that rather than making it vacant like that's not more disrespectful than the other uh, i think that i think that fight would be really intriguing as a as a title fight in two weeks you suddenly open the izzy door for if alex wins is he coming back up for a third fight that's now in in the, in the play yet right he said he would do that if it was for the light heavyweight title uh also i just have to say that i like in in Again, in in, in 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 sort of commending Jamal Hill the way that he handled this, like the the precedent that Yuri set with this of hey, I'm badly injured, I'm not going to be able to fight for a while. The rest of you guys can deal with this. I'll come back and get the title when I can. It's so cool to just see Jamal sort of follow in those footsteps and follow that precedent because uh, I think a lot of champions in the past would have tried to hold on to that because it's very meaningful, right? Like. Sure, you're a champion, you have the belt, but it also just like is meaningful to your bank account that you get certain uh, co- considerations when you're champion that you don't when you're not champion when it comes to the contracts for these fights. So for Jamal to just willingly do the same thing that Yuri did to pave the way that like Yuri paved the way for his path and now Jamal's doing it for the next guy. Very, very cool move by Jamal again, handling an incredibly shitty, tough situation a- as good as possibly you could ask for him. So yeah. you're okay with Pereira getting a title shot in like two weeks, coming off Absolutely. a violent knockout in a different dude, division. Dude, we he is a former champion who beat knocked out like a dominant champion. We have seen way worse people get title opportunities coming off of way worse opportunity like way worse losses than what the last Pereira one I can think of is doing. Alexander Gustafson. Gustafson getting destroyed in his hometown by Rumble in mere minutes and then fighting for the title in the next one like we have seen all sorts and nick like there are there are you could look throughout ufc history and there's plenty of people who have fought for titles off losses this doesn't feel any any worse to me than any other was like where was a legit champ like he has that at least gustafson wasn't a champ i don't like it Why don't you like it? I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'm because he's coming off a knockout loss. Time. I think. I think you at, at best. You, at worst, you need a win. Um, even Jan win. It was weird. That I think the ra- <clears throat> his last one was the racket injury type of fight, but um, still win. But um, I just say the winner of that fight, um, uh, Jan versus Pereira, fights. Uh, why the the, the thing is confusing because we don't know when he's ready. I guess he's you know, apparently he's ready now. Like he's ready to book a fight. Like he's ready then, to go. I do Yuri. That's I do Yuri. That's what he's been I do saying. But again, it was being Yuri targeted Kaliyev for as soon for the as end of the year, so it's just tough, right? But see, the, here's the thing too: is like I'm also I just want people to get paid, and so like these titles have what long ago lost their prestige. Okay, if we're talking money. Degree. That's a little different. So like, yeah, then, yeah. if you throw a title on this, both these dudes will get more money, and that's kind of I guess another reason that I would want to do it. It's just like I'm, hey, you give. Give more, add another zero to these pages. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm trying to take out the money equation more, just a sim- symbolic symbol of a symbolic symbol of a championship. Yeah, but yeah, obviously the money. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I want, I want these guys to get paid. But I um, mean, if we're going merit, then Ankalaev should probably be getting Yuri, and they just do that. But I don't think Dana White is, has any. <laughs> Like any, not a big favors, <laughs> which is crazy because that fight is not as bad as he says it is. Like it's no, not a great fight, fine. but it's not as bad as he. That thinks fight was. was totally fine. And Ankalaev, like again, looked out of it 
pretty early and mounted a pretty crazy comeback in that fight. And he just got he's gotten completely forgotten by history for that. Dana Dana hates every fighter. Every fighter has a bad fight. That was just that. Uh, that is dumb. Um, well, do uh, this is this Mike, is what, what I think you're do? doing. Well, I think what they're going to do is they're going to do Jan Alex as like the title eliminator. Winner will fight Yuri later on this year, and then they'll do Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker, and the winner of that gets the winner of the title fight. Ankalaev's going to need need to get a win, and Johnny Walker's on a nice streak. They ain't giving Johnny the title shot. They're just not going to. Because that wasn't a spirited outing against Anthony Smith either, who he could have just finished and didn't. He's on a nice run. Throw him in there with Ankaliaf. Then if the UFC is, you know, and Dana has issues with both those guys, one of those guys gets eliminated. And then the winner can go ahead and fight the winner of Yuri versus the winner of Pereira versus Blahovich. Just do it that way. But whatever happens, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to figure out what that's going to be. I'm still waiting for the Dana White scream into a microphone studio session where he announces some big news because we got Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou. We've got nothing. Oh, they're trying. They're that. trying to get I'm something. For something. I'm waiting for something to happen. So, um, is, is there I'm any sure there'll be some sort of investment. that is he could fight for the two of belt in Sydney? Mm. I don't, I just don't see it happening. Oh, dude, DDP is like right there. And yeah. like, this is a if he's one. gonna fight on that card and it's not DDP, like maybe they'll chuck him in there with Strickland. Like this is the banana peel thing. I get that. You never want him to slip and fall and then have that fight be out of question for a little while. But Izzy's probably gonna fight on that card. And if DDP, and if I'm DDP, I'm like, no, I'm not fighting on that card. You get the leverage finally. DDP yeah. like, actually has the leverage. In no the one's got leverage. No one has leverage. He has as much as I, a as a contender could have. Like he is objectively the guy, and everyone knows it. I don't think yep. he has any leverage, though. I, I think the UFC does not care. I think. Oh, I think cool. they care about. I this think one. cool will make more money. I think they care about this it, one. All right. They know. They know that the vitriol and the negativity and the they, build. They know that, how to sell that. They know how to sell that's negativity. That's yeah. the oh, only yeah. type of yeah. thing yeah. that UFC you knows that. how to sell is a grudge yeah. match, and this is this is perfect for them. I will True. say though, I think True. Mike, the the scenario you laid out when it comes to two hundred five, is actually probably the way they go. I don't think they throw a title on this one in two weeks, and I think this is sort of a, a number one contender bout. Then the winner gets Yuri. Uh, whenever we can book that, I just. I would like these guys to make some more money, and I would like one of them having the title is is infinitely the same to me as uh, Jamal Hill having the title coming from the opportunity that he had. Like all of this is is sort of meaningless and flippant in the way the UFC's been operating with two hundred five. This doesn't any more crazy or weird yeah. than anything else we've seen. Now that you are talking money, I th- I think it's very unlikely now that they will put a belt yes. on per Yon next two weeks because that means the UFC has to pay more money, and that's what the UFC does not like doing. So, uh, and the problem is this, this card and that fight doesn't need it. It doesn't no. need it because the whole draw, like, look, Pereira and Jan Blachowicz is a great cherry on top of the delicious Sunday, but the ice cream and the hot fudge and the whip and, and the whipped cream and the chocolate sprinkles, the jimmies for my new Englanders out there, it's Poirier and Gaethje too. Like that's what it is. So and we have the a cherry belt just, on top of a real belt. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And then we have a bunch of weird fights. We have freaking Paul Costa and Ikram Alaskarov. Amongst other things, it's insane. I think so. I think so. I mean, the UFC is still promoting it. I'm, I'm still not convinced until Paulo Costa shows up in Salt Lake City. And are you still convinced then? If he's, if if that (laughs) dude goes to Salt Lake City, that fight's happening, and I'm, I'm going to be stunned. I love for some reason I love that matchmaking so much. It makes no sense, but it's very middleweighty. It's very middleweighty. Ah, uh, but man, there'll be also. Uh, be the best. I have a question. What's what's Jimmy's sprinkles? Is it just like a, a different sprinkles. type of sprinkles? No, we just call them Jimmy's. That was a, that's a Boston thing. It's Jimmy's, dude. Why? Yeah. Why like, do you know the origin of that? I've never heard that in my life until you said it. And Casey and I both made a face when you said yeah, it. I, like, I, don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. When I would play like travel league baseball in little league, we would always go to the same ice cream place and it would be like, I want to, you know, the swirl soft serve with chocolate jimmies. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing as sprinkles. Like in South Carolina, if I said chocolate jimmies, they would look at me the same exact way you're looking at me. So we have to say sprinkles, but it's the same exact thing. We just call them jimmies. No, what, no reason why. 
Sprinkles look like sprinkles, right? Like if you if you showed me, if I didn't know what these things were and you showed me them and you're like, oh, this is called sprinkles. I'd be like, yeah, actually that that's a really good term for whatever these things are. They look like what sprinkles would be. I don't, the Jimmy's is lost to me. I don't, I'm not connecting it. All right, so I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Um, the sprinkles versus Jimmy's debate. Uh, according to the Boston Globe, one potentially viable origin story for the sprinkles term comes from confectionery company Just Born. Uh, an archive snapshot of Brigham's ice cream website puts the date around the early 30s and also credits one James Bartholomew with the invention. Beth Kimberly, oh. author of Candy the Sweet History, told the Globe that she believed the term came about a simple, cute way to brand the new sweet similar to Hershey's coining its chocolate drips kisses. Uh, so they call it Jimmy's. Because the guy's name was James. Okay. There have been some rumors that the term Jimmy's was named after the Jim Crow laws, but that has been debunked. What are we <laughs> so there's 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 no real everything. difference. <laughs> yeah. The this dictionary definition for Jimmy's preview show would end up. I'm not gonna lie. The dictionary <laughs> definition for Jimmy's used to be decorative things, though that has been adapted today to tiny rod-shaped bits of usually chocolate-flavored candy often sprinkled on ice cream. So there's an actual definition for Jimmy's and it's tiny rod-shaped bits of usually chocolate-flavored candy often sprinkled on ice cream. How about that? How about that? So it's like chocolate sprinkles. All right. All right. Yeah, it's okay. Jimmy's. It's Jimmy's. You know, that's a dark something. turn there for a second, but we all we all learned something and we came away better for it. Yeah, I don't I, I didn't think I would learn that much. I just thought it was a thing. I didn't think there would be this many follow-up questions, to be honest with you, but <laughs> we we aim to teach, we aimed to uh to educate here on MAFighting.com. Back tomorrow, People's Pre-Fight Show. Get your questions ready. 6 30 p.m. Eastern, Jed Mishu and Casey will get you going there. Post-fight show after the card. There's a Kingpin boxing event, too. So get excited for that. We'll have all of your coverage for all of those things at MayFighting.com. So for Casey, Shaheen, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Love you guys. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.